Hello, everybody, and welcome to Policy Matters Georgia. This is Eric Allen, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nicole Horn. And today we are going to talk about majority of the budget. We're going to talk about education. Education is a big issue, big topic here in Georgia. And, Nicole, there are some very interesting things uh, moving through the legislature right now. Yeah, I mean, and people who watch education funding at our General Assembly know that this seems to come up every single daggone year. And that is the stealing of public education dollars for private schools. Um, the magical voucher scholarship program, um, which we've put more and more money into, even though we have underfunded our school by schools by about a billion dollars. And to remind everyone, last year was the first year in ages that we actually fully funded the budget. But keep in mind, <laughs> We were way behind to start. We got a lot of makeup to do. Yeah. Yeah, A lot lot of makeup. So we asked Stephen Owens with the Georgia Budget and Policy Institute to join us so that we could talk a little bit about House Bill 54. And Stephen shared with us that uh, not only is the House bill making its way through the General Assembly, a Senate bill is as well. And so, Stephen, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. Um, Which one do you want to tackle first, the House bill or the Senate bill? Let's tackle the House bill because I think it has less chance of passage. So I'm a little bit more optimistic about it. Okay. And, and what's, so what's being asked for in House Bill 54? So both of these things fall under the broad category of a voucher. This is public dollars for private education expenses. Um, Georgia has two vouchers right now. Um, and one is what's called a tax credit voucher, which means that instead of paying uh, your state taxes, you can get a dollar-for-dollar tax credit and instead send money to a pass-through organization that then pays tuition for private school uh, for folks that apply. Um, this is a bill that uh, was originally passed in uh, the, the, the aughts, 2009, when the state of Georgia was cutting over a billion, like billions of dollars from public education. Um, they passed this voucher that went up to $50 million, $58 million, recently all the way up to $100 million. This is every single year. Last year went up to, um, there was an attempt to get it up to $200 million. Um, but during conference committee, it was uh, just $120 million, so a $20 million increase. Uh, House Bill 54 would add in an additional $80 million a year to that. Um, and I, I can't tell you how little we actually know about the students and the schools that participate in this. Um, there's this expectation that when we're using te- tax dollars that we actually know how that money is being spent. Is it being spent for the public good, uh, for a service that everyone agrees upon? Um, this tax credit voucher called the Qualified Education Expense Tax Credit, um, we don't know what schools participate. We don't know how kids are doing once they go to those schools. Um, are the schools even providing any services for students with disabilities, multilingual learners? Are they kicking kids out because they're gay or trans? Uh, I mean, we know that to be a fact because that's uh, the prerogative of private schools in the state of Georgia. Something that I think a lot of people understand, but we shouldn't have to finance with public dollars. HB 54 would add an additional $80 million into this program. And it's really just a black box. Uh, it is, uh, I liken it to um, setting money on fire because it makes a few people warm. Um, and and 
the impact to our budget uh, continues to just draw money away from a system uh, that needs supports in our public schools uh, where 90% of kids are being educated. And uh, it has not been heard in ways, ways and Means. That's the committee it's been assigned to. Um, and so it would need to get a hearing very quickly if it's going to cross over this year. Um, but GVPI is a longstanding opposition to bills like House Bill 54 um, for no other, I mean, for several reasons, not least of which the fact is that it's this camel's nose that keeps going under the tent. You know, we heard it was going to be just a $50 million program, just a $58 million program, $100 million. When is it enough? We, we have zero evidence right. of its success. When, when will it be yeah. enough or will we have any sort of assurance that it's actually doing good for the state of Georgia? And, and so, Stephen, what, what, what makes you so confident or at least somewhat bullish that this isn't going to move forward? I've heard um, like even conservatives in the uh, House be uh, a little wary of this kind of handout without any sort of expectation for how the schools are going to do. Um, that if we were to really break down what, uh, what fiscal conservatism looks like, uh, then that would be like less dollars, <laughs> less unaccountable dollars being spent. That's the exact opposite of what this program is. It is it's a handout. <laughs> to unaccountable private schools that don't have to do anything in return. Um, and so for that reason, we've heard that the chairman, uh, Blackman, might not uh, want to hear this bill. We don't know how bullish House leadership is on it. And the fact that it hasn't gotten a hearing, even though it was um, filed weeks ago, makes me, I mean, I'm, I'm nihilistic on a lot of things, but it, they would have kind of a high hill to climb to get this thing passed before crossover day. Yeah, and I, I, I thought Republicans were always uh, skeptical of welfare without accountability. Uh, you know, it just kind of flies in the face of, of some of the things they say. Like you said, it's just a big corporate handout. That's right. Uh, well, not even a corporate handout. It's just a big handout with zero visibility or accountability uh, into the process. You were, you were about to say something, Nicole. No, well, I'm curious, Stephen, why? Because the Senate bill is having a very different experience. So how is the Senate bill comparable to this or different from this? And uh, what are your expectations there? So the Senate bill, this is Senate bill 233. And I cannot stress the danger of this enough um, because it was, uh, it was filed yesterday. Um, a ton of powerful uh, Senate Republicans are signed on to this bill, including the chairman of rules, uh, Dolisol, who's in the freedom caucus is the signer of this bill. Um, I believe, yeah, that, uh, Dixon, who's the chairman of Senate Education, is a signer on this bill. It was released with an ad from the Georgia Center on Opportunity as they've been pushing for school voice, uh, school choice regularly. So you can see it's a coordinated. Yes. I mean, it had an article yeah. already in the AJC. That sort of um, sophisticated release shows that they're not messing around, right? That they expect this thing to go a bit further. I mean, I think half the signers on the bill are members of the Senate Education and youth committee that it has been assigned to. So it's been it's been primed for passage. Um, that does not mean that it will pass the full Senate. Um, we had a voucher last year that failed spectacularly on the Senate floor. Um, but this uh, this feels a, a little different. I, I think if we're successful in stopping a bill like this, it's going to be more on the House side. But let me tell you a little bit about this one. This is, would create a brand new voucher program. Uh, $6,000 for every child. Um, who's gone to spent six weeks inside of a public school 
um, to get $6,000 into perpetuity, like until they graduate high school. You don't have to spend all the dollars one year. You can, you only have to spend about half of them. Um, and if you're thinking, wow, $6,000 just put into account for uh, kind of whoever wants it sounds like it's right for fraud. You're absolutely right. The really only accountability over that $6,000 that's going to go out to, you know, tens of thousands of families across Georgia is they have this parent accountability board, which is eight parents whose kids are all receiving the voucher. Like, I, I, I don't understand. Um, we, we hold our public schools to really high account as far as how the dollars are spent to serve students, Right. But we're talking about creating a program that if just 2% of the enrollment in the state of Georgia takes a voucher like this, that would be $204 million a year, every single year. And you're going to tell me eight parents whose kids are in the program are going to be able to um, audit those receipts, make sure these dollars are spent well. We have evidence from other states like Arizona. Arizona has a universal voucher like this. The, uh, the attorney general found one year alone, seven hundred thousand dollars worth of fraud like like just going to buy a trampoline in your backyard buying sports equipment um those things are incredibly dope maybe not what should we should be spending our public dollars on without knowing um and so it's so hard to hear like the high standards we hold um people who receive uh snap and tanf right like food stamps we hold them to such high account of like okay how does this money need to be spent this strict regulations. We have really strict regulations on how money can be spent in public schools, but you're just going to hand every family that puts a handout $6,000 and say, good luck to you. I, I, it, it really does feel like it's being pushed more by ideology and less by support for students uh, who need it. You were saying that a similar bill failed pretty spectacularly last year. What makes you nervous about this year? One of the folks that voted against it and actually brought an amendment to try to make it better in the the bill last year, I believe it was uh, Senate Bill uh, 601, um, was Matt Brass, uh, who's now the chairman of rules. Um, He brought an amendment. He talked about how he is getting texts from uh, his schools, I think in Noonan, uh, that they were nervous about it. And he, he brought an amendment trying to make it better. He voted against it. Uh, later on. That, that's one of the things. Now he's a signer on Senate Bill 233. So that, you know, that's at least one vote. Another thing is, and this is really disappointing, since even last year, vouchers have become some sort of litmus test for national conservatives. Um, so people who otherwise would have no reason to support something uh, that would take money away from their local schools um, now feel like vouchers are the way to prove that you are like a good Republican. Um, I think we've seen bills pass in states that have no, no reason for a voucher, like South Carolina, Arkansas, Utah. Um, they passed overwhelmingly because it's more of a signal of what you stand for and less of something to actually help kids. Because people, some of our best champions in Georgia for traditional public schools are rural Republicans. They see the value, and, I, and rural Democrats as well, they see the value of their public schools and refuse to defund them in favor of uh, just the hope of a good education. And, and I say the hope. 
And this will be the last thing because I know I'm monologuing. (laughs) (laughs) You're fine. You're You're fine. (laughs) I say I hope because we now finally have these like gold star studies of how kids do when they receive these vouchers. Disregard the fact that these, the whole thing is predicated on kicking kids out. That's what private school means. It means it is not available to everyone. All right. Disregard that. We now have these high quality studies that show students do measurably worse once they take these vouchers. Um, we, We all know the awful toll that COVID-19 did to to kids' test scores. I've been hearing about it from uh, Georgia General Assembly all year, that it's like we got to focus on reading because school closure, you know, and nobody is is saying that that's not true. The impact of taking these vouchers that we've seen in, like, Louisiana and Ohio was worse than the test score hit due to COVID-19. People lost and continue to lose parents, grandparents, teachers, schools were closed, and it's worse to take a voucher to a private school than all of that. That, yeah, and that is fascinating to look at. And it, and I appreciate you saying that it's that these voucher programs have become kind of an ideological signal of, look, I'm a good conservative, um, but I feel like we're missing... To your point about rural Republicans pushing back because uh, they at least recognize the value of public education, I mean, we're just so far behind in funding our schools. Absolutely. There's a Senator Dolezal said that he's going to add an amendment to his own bill that he dropped yesterday um, saying that he won't, that this voucher won't count if Georgia's schools aren't fully funded, which is a great, for, we'll say a great first step in a five mile journey. That a bill like this would need to go to get anywhere near palatable. Um, what's to your exact point though, Georgia is one of only six states in the entire union that doesn't have any funding to support students living in poverty. Yeah. Like one of the greatest challenges we know inside the school, um, which is the, the huge differences in resources between two kids. Atlanta has the largest income inequality in the nation of any other major city. Yep. Georgia has more kids living in poverty than uh, 43 other states. So we know that this is a huge challenge. We don't give schools any money to meet that challenge, uh, but we expect all kids and should expect all kids to meet the same high standards. So it's hard to hear like, okay, now we can fund a discriminatory private school system when we haven't even done right by the schools that the state is constitutionally required uh, to provide for. Stephen, I appreciate you saying that because I think about, um, you know, growing up, I mean, Eric, I'm sure, did you, did your parents have to fundraise to help your elementary school growing up? Oh, absolutely. It was a team effort. We sold candy bars, parents wrote checks. We did, I mean, everything. Well, Um, I don't remember that growing up, but I know that the school that's, you know, two blocks from my house that it's a fantastic elementary school that parents raise $200,000 for every year. Ooh. There is a, another elementary school that is two miles from my house that, uh, that serves a much poorer community, and they get excited about raising $5,000. And um, Stephen, to your point, they do get Title I federal money, but gosh, it's just, it is not, it's not enough. It's not enough. It, yeah. Well, well, you're at, sorry, go ahead. 
No, I was going to say to that point, I mean, what, what Nicole's hitting on is, you know, these foundations that are allowed to be set up, you know, here in Georgia, where you've got schools that are able to raise private funds at a very unbalanced clip. Yeah, um, right. Definitely. And so that's that's a huge disparity in funding in, in schools that are less than five, six miles apart. The basic uh, the way they're set up with these foundations and get money, uh, depending on the school and, and the. Basically, the the families that are within the school that are able to raise at a at a higher pace yep. and a, a better clip than, let's say, the school that's five six miles away that doesn't have that same fundraising base, if you will, to pull from. It's a yeah. uniquely American problem um, that we put so much of the school's capacity and resources on the resources of the local neighborhood, and there is nothing wrong with having wealthy schools that give their kids lots of resources. That's fantastic. We have to realize though. The state is responsible to make sure everybody has that. I, I went to exactly. K through five in uh, Clayton County Schools, UW Oliver Elementary, go Owls. And we had <laughs> so many fewer resources. I remember seeing kids and other, like kids I went to church with, and they talked about doing stuff in their gym. I'm like, y'all have a gym. We've got a blacktop, right? When I was oh, in geez. middle school, we moved to Fayette County, one invisible county line over. And y'all both know the difference between Clayton and Fayette County. The difference in resources. Oh, yeah. One county oh, over yeah. was immense. Now we got, <laughs> we have a band. We have a nice gym. I mean, it, it was it was incredible. And the state can afford to take care of the Clayton counties and the Fayette counties. We don't have to pit these schools against each other so that a parent feels like they got to buy a house they can't afford just to give their kid a good education. Now, Absolutely. I have- and I think the, the, the misnomer, Stephen, is that a lot of people hear them yell school choice, school choice, school choice. When I was in the legislature, one of the things I would say, and I think I said it a couple of times in the well, is that these vouchers are not helping the kids that you're convincing people that it's helping. Right. Yeah. Be- because the, the people that I know that are sending their kids or, you know, self-included, you sending your kids to private school. You're not a $5,000 voucher away from doing it. You've made the commitment to choose a different school and you can probably afford it without having welfare from the state. Well said. And the, and I sympathize and I stand with parents who see the education of their child and say like they are not getting what they need to succeed. I, I stand right next to them. But I think that that means and demands a robust state response that includes yeah. protections for all children. Because if, if a parent tells me that a school is not meeting their IEP or uh, the needs for students with disabilities, I, I'm inclined to believe them because I know yeah. the history of public education. I've written reports about it. But if a lawmaker says the only thing I can do for you is if you trade me some of your rights, then maybe you get a good private school. I, I think that they're pushing something other than a good policy. That feels like we are pushing an idea and now that we know and we see this research that shows that, like, uh, the vast majority of parents do not realize the minute you take a voucher, you have to forfeit federal protections for students with disabilities. Same for students who are learning English, multilingual language. You have to forfeit those things. Um, and none of these voucher bills that I've seen that, that have come up in Georgia have demanded that the private school also hold those rights for students. So how, how is that school? It's a school's choice is what it is. It's the school getting to choose. Yes. Well, Stephen, I love having you on talking about this. And um, 
what would you recommend? I mean, we talk about calling your legislators, um, reaching showing out up. and showing <laughs> yeah, up, showing Eric. Up the Capitol. Yeah, yeah. Showing up at the Capitol. That's a huge part. Definitely your senators need to be called. They need to hear from you. If you are a lawmaker, uh, they have to record getting a phone call um, from a constituent. That is something that um, I know it's easy to think that person just hung up on me. Um, lawmakers are not immune to peer pressure. Um, we, we all feel it. And it, it, even if you have a lawmaker that's uncomfortable voting, no, they can walk out. They, they, don't, they don't have to be present for that vote. Um, and even if you think you have a lawmaker that knows the stuff backward and forward, that they, um, that they might vote with you on it, they still need to be alerted to how can we, how can we make a terrible bill a little bad, like a little less worse? How can we make a, sure a bad bill doesn't pass? Um, we need to know the true cost of this. This is one of the first things. We need a fiscal note on this. What, what is the cost to the state of Georgia uh, for specifically Senate Bill uh, 233? Um, and then next... I know that lawmakers need to hear the stories of those folks uh, who have an option to choose private school but continue to choose public schools, either because of bad experiences in the private school or uh, because of this recognition uh, that you that you want to be next to your community. Um, because the only story they're hearing from parents is, I had a terrible public education experience, I went to the local Christian school and it was fantastic, but we know that there is this huge attrition rate um, where people will take a voucher to a private school and then like after one or two years, they'll come back to the public school because of how bad things were in that private school. That's a story that needs to be told. That's a story that lawmakers need to hear um, so that they can be more informed about like, let's have a nuanced discussion on how to support the most vulnerable students in the state of Georgia, not just push ran through a hundred million dollar, $200 million giveaway to private schools. They don't have to do a single thing in return. Yeah, that, no, that's a great point. That's, that's a, a great point. Really good call to action. Well, um, anything else uh, you think our, our listeners should know before we uh, before we wrap? Absolutely. So one of the things that this is all predicated on is the belief that Georgia schools are doing fine for most kids. So let's now we have some leeway to create another voucher, and I think that we need to push back on that as hard as possible. Just because we're not currently cutting funds to public schools does not mean they have enough to serve all students. We, even if the governor's budget passes as is, we'll only have enough money for one school counselor to every 450 kids. That's a huge caseload. When you think about the, the mental health issues that our students are dealing with, the social emotional issues they're dealing with, they need school counselors. Um, we still don't have funding to educate students living in poverty. Our school buses are very underfunded. We got an aging, an aging fleet, bus drivers that are underpaid. That, those are the things that need to be taken to lawmakers. It's like, no, we are like, we absolutely still need investments in our public schools. When, when lawmakers tell me like, look how good we did. We're fully funding public schools. That's like me bragging to my wife that I didn't cheat on her this year. Like, okay, that's, <laughs> that's the bare minimum. That's that's just a starting point. That is yeah. not, that is not that's, being that's, a good that's, spouse. That, that's the floor. That's not the ceiling. <laughs> exactly. And so I, I put. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, I put no uh, emphasis behind like fully like not fully funding a formula that was written before I was born. Like, <laughs> what what do we talk about, Nicole? You're you're funding a formula from the '80s, and I challenge anyone to say they want to send their class their child to a classroom built for the '80s. Right. A formula yeah. that was written before there was Wi-Fi. 
uh, before school security had like people had any reason to recognize that we need to protect kids inside the building, like and fully funding that. I'm that's great. That is <laughs> that is the floor exactly as you said. That's the floor, not the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. We we've got we've got a lot of work to do here in Georgia. I think. Um, you know, as they say, the kids are not all right. We got a lot of work we need to do in the schools. And, um, you know, to, to your point earlier, you used Clayton and Fayette County as examples, but I'll just say, you know, when, when we have a system where school A and school B both get the same amount of money, but one is trying to decide if they get new band and football uniforms and the other one is trying to decide whether or not they replace math books from the 70s. That's right. We're not okay. That's right. Yeah. We're not okay. Yeah. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely. Yes. And, so, that is the that's the equity piece inside the school <laughs> that that we are setting some kids like a mile behind in a race, um, and, and we need to recognize that in our resources. That that's that's what it looks like to to live our values, um, and it needs to start with one of the largest challenges we know, which is students living in poverty. How are we empowering schools to actually uh, serve those students versus because because if we're not we're we're expecting schools to have different outcomes for these students. We're, we're, we're kind of planning for these schools to fail those kids. Well, Stephen, we really appreciate the work that GBPI uh, does, has done, continues to do. Um, you are always welcome to come back. Uh, maybe after crossover day, we do a, a show and kind of talk about what happened, what didn't happen. Great. And, and what's next, but uh, we thank you for the work that you do and the, thank you the, um, so much, Stephen. the research that you publish. Um, and Nicole, I think that's it. Uh, we, we've good show. I think now, you know, we're going to be watching the next couple of days. We're getting closer to crossover day, uh, which is going to be March 6th, uh, not this Monday, but next the Monday coming up. And once we get to that point, we'll get a better sense of what's going to happen for the year. Uh, but so stay tuned. We're going to do some, some special work getting ready for crossover day. Anything you want to say before we wrap up, Nicole? No, uh, just that I've been in, enjoying these dialogues, although the it's not education-focused, but there is a new bill that's been introduced to completely ban abortions in Georgia. So we will be talking about that for sure in the coming weeks. Um, Absolutely. The, the craziness, I, we, we were hopeful that it would stay kind of more kitchen table issues, but no, 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 no. We got to know Nicole, better we, than that. We, we may even have to do two shows next week, but uh, yeah. But everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, we hope to see you next time on Policy Matters.